folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to talk about a much better day in free agency than the first day, as the Denver Nuggets make a massive signing for their rotation. This was a really, really big deal. Denver had completed their starting five, but in the process, kind of in the the reshaping of this roster, guys like DeMarcus Cousins, not necessarily here, Austin Rivers, not here, Jamichael Green, not here, Will Barton, Monte Morris, you trade them for Ish Smith and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I think that's an overall downgrade for the second unit, upgrade for the starters. So Denver needed another piece. They needed another guy that they could count on, that they could trust, especially on the wing. That was probably their biggest desire, given how young they are at the wing otherwise. And lo and behold, this morning, I woke up, I I rolled over in my bed, and I saw a lot of tweets at me, specifically, and everybody was like, Ryan, we got Bruce Brown. And I I was flummoxed. Uh, I had waited up last night very, very late just to make sure that Denver hadn't done anything, also because I'm a degenerate. And when I woke up this morning, obviously, I was pleasantly surprised after having podcasted yesterday about Denver's kind of lack of ability uh, to get somebody that they really needed in to really bolster their bench. You get Bruce Brown, and that absolutely flips the script on just about everything that I said yesterday. Now, to be clear, they did still sign DeAndre Jordan. I am not saying that that is a good move. That is not a good move, and but we'll talk about that in the second segment. But they didn't get, uh, yesterday, they didn't get what I thought would be kind of that, that piece that would tie everything together. Bruce Brown ties the room together in ways that I don't know if people fully appreciate and fully understand how it's going to work, but this is a home run. This is an absolute home run by Calvin Booth, by Calvin Booth, excuse me, and the Nuggets front office. Bruce Brown is going to be Denver's sixth man. It's not going to be Bones Highland. It's not going to be Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. He's going to be the starter. It's not going to be Zeke Naji. It's going to be Bruce Brown. And the reason why the Nuggets wanted Bruce Brown, well, there are a number of reasons. The first is he's 25 years old, athletic, young, versatile, and defensive-minded. He was the one player on Brooklyn this past year that really excelled defensively. The rest of the Brooklyn Nets really struggled. Uh, Nick Claxton was pretty good, but other than him, Bruce Brown was the guy that kind of tied the room together for that team. And he wasn't as efficient as he was the previous year, but he did shoot 40% from three. That was a big deal this last year, albeit on low attempts. But the real kind of utility from having Bruce Brown is how versatile he is. He was used all over the map for the Brooklyn Nets over the last two years, as they had different players in and out of the lineup, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, uh, Joe Harris, traditional centers, Jeff Green back in the day, a couple years ago. Bruce Brown was a guy that was used as a Swiss Army knife, a jack-of-all-trades type. 
that he could be deployed in a whole bunch of different scenarios and be successful. It was a massive deal for Denver to get a player like this on their bench because right now you look at Denver's bench outside of that and you're looking at players like Bones Highland, Ish Smith. Sure, you have Davon Reed and Christian Brown. Those guys aren't really fully proven at the NBA level quite yet. Peyton Watson, probably not going to play much this year. Vlaco Chanchar, coming off of a major foot injury and hasn't shown a whole heck of a lot otherwise. Zeke Naji, is more of a big. Jeff Green, more of a big. And they signed DeAndre Jordan, and like, like I said, we'll get to that. But in this instance, the Nuggets found a player that they can utilize in both bench lineups and closing lineups. That are going that he's just going to be so helpful. I I can't stress just how helpful he is going to be. Because the Nuggets now, with the starting five that they have, they have a couple of pieces now. Maybe two or three pieces that you can put up and down that lineup and use those different combinations and say, okay, we are going to attack these other teams in very specific ways with these very specific combinations. But If we are being attacked in these other specific ways, then we have a player in Bruce Brown who is malleable on both ends of the floor to be deployed however Michael Malone sees fit. Bruce Brown could be your lead perimeter defender. He could be your role man on offense. He could be the head of the zone in a 2-3 zone. He could be in a switch-everything scheme. He could be... uh, I think a dunker spot kind of player for Denver. He could be a secondary ball handler for Denver. Has shown some playmaking ability. His spot-up ability has improved. He is the coach's dream because he's young, he's coachable, he is a player that's willing to do the dirty work, and he's also defensive-minded. Michael Malone is going to absolutely love coaching Bruce Brown. I have zero doubt about it. Because what Bruce Brown did in coming to Denver, so I think he took a less a lesser offer in order to be with the Nuggets. It's been reported, Tim Reynolds reported this, or at least uh, the, the general circles, is, I think is how he, he categorized it, that there were numbers that were bigger than the taxpayer MLE out there for Bruce Brown this year. And I'm sure that there were. I'm sure the Dallas Mavericks probably were throwing some money at him. I'm sure the Brooklyn Nets were probably throwing some money at him. But in Denver, Bruce Brown has a very unique skill set that can be, I think, uniquely brought to the forefront by a player like Nikola Jokic. With as versatile as Nikola Jokic is, with as uh, versatile as Denver's entire starting lineup is, frankly, Bruce Brown is going to fit right in. He's going to be Denver's sixth or seventh man, and there are so many lineups that they can deploy now that they could not otherwise, and you feel good about it. Because in each of the last two years, Bruce Brown has been a capable playoff piece for the Brooklyn Nets. Before that, the Detroit Pistons weirdly gave up on him in a deal that I think net them... uh, I, I don't remember who they actually traded for. It was a deal that sent Luke Kennard to the Clippers, but there was it was a weird deal where Bruce Brown somehow ended up with the Brooklyn Nets, 
and he turned into just this perfect jack-of-all-trades piece for their team. And he had some downtimes, for sure, just as every role player kind of does. But in the aggregate, he was a six foot four, kind of six foot ten wingspan kind of guy, a little bit of a bulldog, not quite Lou Dort physicality, but pretty close to it. And he's somebody that isn't going to back down from anybody, isn't going to be muscled around by anybody. He finishes at the rim with dunks, he finishes up and unders, things like that. He's a good scorer and passer around the rim. He's also a strong rebounder, which is something that I think Denver was definitely looking for with their second unit guys. The Nuggets have a lot of different lineups that they can now deploy that I'm really excited for Denver to try out. For example, you've got your starters, Murray, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Jokic. Now you throw Bruce Brown into that mix. You say, okay, replace KCP with him. Murray, Brown, Porter, Gordon, Jokic. What if you want to go more defensive? You take out Porter, bring back in KCP, got Murray, Brown, KCP, Gordon, Jokic. You still have that Jokic-Murray two-man game, but around them you have smart cutters, floor spacers, high IQ basketball players that can really help space the floor for a team like the Nuggets that needs players that understand and can read the game. Bruce Brown definitely qualifies. He absolutely qualifies for that. Uh, Was a good passer and playmaker for Detroit before he got to Brooklyn. And though his assist numbers definitely dropped when he was in Brooklyn, it was more because they had three ball-dominant players with Harden, Kyrie, and KD. It wasn't to do with Bruce Brown and his playmaking capabilities. Those could definitely be unlocked in Denver. And I have a sneaking suspicion that Nikola Jokic is going to love to play with Bruce Brown for a number of the reasons that he loves to play with Jamal Murray. Not necessarily because of Brown's outside shooting and dynamic scoring or anything like that, but Brown loves to be a screener. He's a really good screener and cutter and mover off ball. He reads the court well, finds the gaps, explodes to the rim in those cases, and the Nuggets are going to absolutely benefit from it. He isn't quite as durable as KCP is, though this past year he did play every single game for a Brooklyn Nets team that uh, definitely, actually, was it was it an 82-game season this past year? Was it 72? I can't remember. Um, no, it was 82 this past year. Uh, so he missed 10 games, but he still played like nearly 90% of the games. And then before that, he played 65 out of 72. Before that, he played... I think 58 out of like 73. Actually, the Detroit might not have been in the vicinity of the playing tournament that year. So he's been a high minute, high game player, just as KCP is, which if you're the Nuggets, is a really big benefit for a team that has Murray coming off of a torn ACL, that has the injury questions with Michael Porter. You needed stability. You needed players that you could count on night in and night out. Bruce Brown, KCP, they absolutely represent that. The Nuggets should very, very much be happy for it. You have your playoff rotation, or at least the the top end of it at this point. I've been putting out some rotations on Twitter that I think everybody should be mostly pleased with because your top five guys, obviously your starters, but then you've got Bones as your primary creator off the bench. You've got Bruce Brown as your kind of Swiss Army knife guy. 
And then I've been putting Zeke Najee as the eighth man, kind of the, the power forward center hybrid, but that could just as easily be Jeff Green. Or maybe it's a nine-man rotation with both of them. It doesn't include DeAndre Jordan. And I think we'll, t- we'll talk about that on the other side. But for now, this is a home run. This is absolutely, like, the difference between this and not using the taxpayer mid-level is such a big deal for Denver. And we'll talk about why on the other side. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by Superbook Sports. Summer is here and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with his usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. All right, let's get into kind of the depth chart here. I was I was kind of breaching or broaching that subject, excuse me, uh, broaching that subject in the first segment. You have your starters. Then you have Bones Highland and Bruce Brown, I think, is your point guard and shooting guard off the bench. Bruce Brown, he's big enough, I think, and, and kind of thick and stocky enough to be your, your small forward off the bench. But I kind of have Davon Reed there. They're about the same size. Davon might be an inch or two taller. Those guys make a lot of sense together because Davon, he is physical enough and he, he does score off the dribble a little bit. But he's mostly going to be a 3 and D type. He's not going to be kind of that utility piece where he does a little bit of everything like a Bruce Brown can. So Davon Reed definitely makes sense on that front. And you've got Zeke Naji, who Denver, they are very comfortable with. They would like for him to continue to develop and try to prepare him for the playoffs. Because I do think that he is going to be a piece that if you're, if you're looking around the playoffs right now and you're looking at which teams are successful – what kinds of lineups they're using. A lot of teams are using players like a Zeke Naji at center, especially with the backup units. It's probably not going to be your starters. Like if you're if you're looking at the finals, it was uh Kevon Looney, Robert Williams, Al Horford, guys like that. But behind those guys, like your your Draymond Green types, your Grant Williams types, Zeke Naji is in that tier a little bit more. He's maybe not as strong and stocky as those guys, and that's going to be somewhere where he has to build on that strength a little bit. But he is a switch-everything kind of defender. He's a guy that you put at the five, and you plan on switching everything 1-5 as a result. And Denver might have some issues with that with Bones Highland, but they don't have it with Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, Davon Reed, I have Jeff Green currently penciled in as your regular season center. Denver has some utility here to be able to run a switch everything bench. And I do think that that benefits. That's something that Michael Malone, I think, was really adamant about in his uh, kind of his media availability 
a couple times ago. He wanted to get better defensively. And the best way to do that with the bench unit especially is to switch, is to be comfortable switching, be comfortable guarding one-on-one, and having players that can do that, at least relatively capably. Bones Highland is going to have to learn. He's only 170, 175 pounds right now. Still going to have to muscle up a little bit. But more than anything, just got to use that six foot three frame, six foot nine wingspan to the best of his ability. Bruce Brown, a guy that can switch. Davon Reed, a guy that can switch. Zeke Naji, a guy that can switch. Jeff Green, a guy that can switch. You have a lot of different players in that particular configuration that can do that. KCP, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, same thing. Michael Porter, that's a little bit iffy. Nikola Jokic, obviously he's not going to be a 1-5 a one, a one switch defender, but maybe there are some times where he can switch too. Denver's going to have to mix that in if they want to be the best possible defense they can be. And with the current rotation that they've built now, I do think that it is possible. Off your deep bench, you have Ish Smith, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Vlako Chanchar, and DeAndre Jordan. You also have Colin Gillespie on your two-way. I was told earlier today, at least a, a little birdie shared with me, that it's possible that DeAndre Jordan was not brought in to be your primary backup five. That he was brought in as kind of the 14th or 15th man on the roster just to kind of bring in some insurance. And then Denver will continue to explore with some small ball lineups, especially on the second unit. Now, there's always some some chance that they could do some different things. But it also does kind of open up some opportunity for Vlako Chanchar if they bring him back. Vlako, six foot eight guy, had had shown some stuff at power forward and center specifically. Denver had tried to use him at the three a couple times last year, and that didn't really work. But when he was at the four, and then previously, I, I look back at the game where Denver played the seven. Uh, where you had Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, I think Monte Morris was a part of that. But Vlako Chancho was also a part of it. He was the backup center for Nikola Jokic, and he was he was very raw during that time. I think that was his first year, not necessarily at the peak of his powers. But Vlako has shown that he could be a screener, that he could be a roller, and he also has shown that he can switch a little bit. He's not going to be the greatest but he's fundamental and he's smart, which that's what Denver wants to be. So maybe he's a guy that Denver can actually use in a scheme like that. I've barely even mentioned Christian Brown, as well as Peyton Watson, who Denver, they brought in, probably not to play this year. But what's the worst thing that can happen if you throw him out there for eight minutes with the bench unit, where all he has to do is switch on defense and guard? And then if the ball gets thrown to him, then maybe shoot once or twice. But he is going to get some trial as well. Denver's going to have to play their guys. They're going to have to rest Murray at times. They're going to have to rest Porter at times. Probably going to have to rest Jokic at times. And and honestly, that, that one I'm a little bit worried about. Maybe that's the reason you bring in DeAndre Jordan. You play him 20 minutes in those games and then try to play the rest of your bench maybe a little bit more. But there are some occasions where Denver's going to need some of these deep bench guys to play. It's why I was so adamant about Bruce Brown 
or a player like that being brought in on the taxpayer MLE. It had been mentioned to me that it was possible that they weren't going to use the roster spot. And so that's why last night's podcast was so bleak. It was so, so bleak. Because if you tried to tell me that this rotation without Bruce Brown was going to work, I would think pretty poorly of you. Bruce Brown does make that level of difference. I have him penciled in for about 20 to 25 minutes a night, and it might be on the the higher side of that. The reason being is that Michael Malone is going to never stop using him. He is going to love it. Anytime one of the starters sits, other than maybe Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown is going to start. If it's KCP, Brown will start at the two. If it's Aaron Gordon, Brown will start at the three. If it's Michael Porter, Brown will also start at the three and Porter will move to the four. There is no doubt in my mind that Bruce Brown is going to play a lot. He's going to be utilized. He's going to be impactful. And the Nuggets are going to have a really fun time playing defense, getting out in transition, running some cutting offense, utilizing the spacing generated by Murray, KCP, Porter, Jokic, etc. And then guys like Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, those guys are going to benefit so much. I have zero doubt in my mind. Those guys are going to have a lot of fun in this offense. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the rest of these storylines that have gone on around the NBA, including the Kevin Durant stuff from yesterday, but also a freaking trade. Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Holy hell. We'll be right back. Back, pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackburn. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. There are four things I think that I wanted to touch on today. I think one of them was Golden State getting a little bit worse, but they did pick up Dante DiVincenzo right before I started this podcast. So we're going to see what they ultimately look like. Dante DiVincenzo, that's a great value signing for them, but they did lose a lot of guys, including Gary Payton to the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, wow. But the others, we'll start with Kevin Durant because that's obviously the most important one. Requested his trade yesterday, and I do want to touch on it. I I think that it's important for Nuggets fans to know that the favorite here is that Kevin Durant is going to go to the Phoenix Suns. The biggest reason for that, DeAndre Ayton, he's a player that could go back to the Brooklyn Nets in a sign and trade. There is some BYC issues, which is, uh, it basically stands for, uh, it, what it, I actually I can't even remember. Uh, I should know that. Uh, basically, it there's some uh, there are some issues with the amount of money that DeAndre Aiden made before that he would then be making after, and they can't just use the money that he's making after to match up with Kevin Durant's salary. So they're going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to match up with that. The amount of money that Brooklyn takes back in a trade is going to be equivalent to the amount of salary that they take back, but the amount that they said uh, Phoenix sends out is going to be equivalent to DeAndre Ayton's previous number, I believe. I think in his fourth year, maybe it's the average of his rookie contract, so like probably close to about $10 million, when in reality, 
the number that he would make going out is about $30 million. So there are some very big question marks in terms of whether Phoenix can get the job done. But if they could, there are some talks about DeAndre Ayton potentially signing with another team. Let's say it's the Utah Jazz who just traded Rudy Gobert. And if they do a sign and trade there and recoup some picks from Utah, they'll probably shuffle those on over to Phoenix or to uh, Brooklyn, excuse me, in a mega deal that would get them Kevin Durant. Something like five or six first round picks, uh, maybe Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson, but definitely enough salary to match and, and kind of offset what the Nets would need to make a deal legal. It's very interesting. This is all is all still up in the air. There are some rules based off of Ben Simmons that it's there's a reason why the Nuggets can't get involved in this, for example. Like because if, if you told me that Denver wanted Kevin Durant, I'd be like, okay, that that's that's a player that you call about for sure. The biggest problem though is that Ben Simmons, he makes a designated rookie extension number, uh a rookie max, which means that he is kind of a designated max player. And the Nets are only allowed to trade for one of those guys off of their rookie extension, which means that both Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are ineligible to be traded in a Kevin Durant deal because they would be joining Ben Simmons. What that means, basically, is that the only way, the only possible way that the Nuggets could get involved in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes is if Ben Simmons is moved in a separate deal. Or maybe it's a three-team deal that reroutes him somewhere else. I don't know. But the fact remains, it's very unlikely that Denver gets involved for a guy like Kevin Durant. They don't have the draft capital. They don't have the the assets, I think. I think that Toronto makes a lot of sense personally. Just having Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., bunch of first-round picks. They've got a lot of capital that they could throw at a player like Kevin Durant and and the Brooklyn Nets, and they'd still be good because they have Fred Van Vliet and Precious Achua and, and players that are kind of on the fringes of what they did. They they brought back Chris Boucher, if I'm not mistaken. I think they brought in Otto Porter off of a deal from, uh, from Golden State, which is what we'll talk about next. Uh, but it does seem like the Nets are gearing up to trade Kevin Durant for a massive, massive haul. And I want Nuggets fans to be prepared that it could be to the Phoenix Suns. And if that's the case, they're not trading Devin Booker. They're not trading Chris Paul. Be pairing those three guys together. And if that's the case, that's the most talented big three in the NBA. I'm, I'm sorry, but Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, that's incredible. Now, it's not guaranteed that they win a title as we kind of saw last year. But Phoenix did win 64 games last year with the core that they had. They'll probably find out that it's it's not as easy to win all of those games without DeAndre Ayton. But if you get all three of those other guys in the building, it might not even matter. So we'll see what they do. We'll see whether they have to give up Mikhail Bridges. If they didn't have to give up Mikhail Bridges, I would throw a hissy fit. That's insane. Uh, but we're just going to have to see. Um. Oh, and Miami is involved in that, but they have the same question marks with Bam Adebayo that the Nuggets would have with Murray and Porter in terms of being able to cobble up enough value to send the other way. And there are other teams that are going to be on the fringes of involvement there, but 
it's going to be interesting to see what the Nuggets, uh, no, not the Nuggets, what the Nets end up doing with Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving, whole nother matter. I kind of guess that he's going to be traded to the Lakers. That's kind of where I'm guessing, and it sucks. That definitely sucks. But if the Nets are looking to recoup as many assets as they possibly can, I don't know if Kyrie Irving is going to be moved anywhere else. Because I don't think any anywhere else has a $47 million expiring contract that the Nets could use to kind of clear some salary and improve their situation long term. So we're going to see. We're going to see what happens there. I mentioned Golden State. Otto Porter, he went to Toronto. Gary Payton II went to Portland. They're having a really good offseason with uh, the retention of Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic. They added Jeremy Grant. They still have Josh Hart. And now they have Gary Payton II, who makes a lot of sense. It's kind of a a defensive complement to what Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons are. Like they're they're not a good backcourt defensively. So if you start both of those guys, which they plan on doing, then you're going to have to find some other ways to be good defensively. When they stagger those guys, it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense to have Gary Payton out there. So good on them for making a good move. That is going to be a fun rivalry for sure. But Golden State in this whole process, they they also lost them lost Amania Bielitsa, who went to Fenerbahce. He went to the EuroLeague. And that is a very, very interesting move because Golden State now has definitely gotten worse ever since winning the title. Now, they do have young talent kind of waiting in the wings. They have Jonathan Kaminga to kind of replace Otto Porter. They have Moses Moody that they're hoping replaces Gary Payton. They have James Wiseman that they hope replaces Nemanja Bielitsa. It's not a guarantee that those guys all replace them, and they're they're going to definitely be different and probably a little bit more volatile because when you trust a whole bunch of young players over veterans, that's just kind of how it works. But their stability is definitely gone, and I do think that they got worse, especially as a playoff team, despite the fact that they did add Dante DiVincenzo to kind of tie the room back together again. I'm very curious to see how they build that roster again, how they build that rotation again who the main contributors are going to be, who they can trust, who they can't trust. But it does certainly feel like they had their opportunity this year. And we're going to see if they can transition into another great opportunity this next year. But they did get worse. It wouldn't surprise me if they fell off just a bit. And the kind of crowning jewel moment of them all today, Rudy Gobert, blockbuster trade. From the Utah Jazz to the Minnesota Timberwolves, Tim Connolly, old friend Tim Connolly, makes a massive trade, sending Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, and I think five first-round picks to the Utah Jazz, including Walker Kessler, who they drafted this year. They are making a big, big bet on Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns and seeing if those guys can actually play well together. I'm really curious to see whether they can too. I think it's going to be fantastic in the regular season. One of the great things that you have in those situations is you can now stagger those guys and have 48 minutes of great center play. 
one of those guys will be an anchor offensively. One of those guys will be an anchor defensively. And you can kind of tailor your lineups to that. Maybe you pair uh, D'Angelo Russell with Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards with Carl Anthony Towns to try to get as as much as you possibly can from each of those individual lineups. But I am really curious to see how this comes together. They signed Kyle Anderson. They re-signed Torian Prince. They kept Jada McDaniels. They've got a good team. There's no doubt in my mind that they have a good team. I, I put out, I think, my top 10 teams in the NBA right now following the the moves that were made. And they made my 10. Oh, they're a 10th behind uh, Miami and Philly and teams like that. But they're in that tier. They are clearly now a team that you have to take seriously to the point that they are a team that could potentially upset, make it to the second round or the Western Conference Finals or maybe even the NBA Finals, depending on the matchup. The problem, of course, that you run into is that Rudy Gobert is 30 years old. He is a center on a max contract, a super max contract, basically, and he's getting paid until he's 34, meaning that they are making a massive bet with the future of their roster in hand to go all in with this group. It feels very odd that Tim Connolly made this move. He's never been a guy to go all in before. He has never done this before in his career. And it is sort of funny, I saw this mentioned today, that the player he goes all in for is the first player that he traded away, the 27th overall pick that he draft that the Nuggets technically drafted for the Jazz in 2013. How it comes full circle, where Tim Connolly kind of recoups that asset on a different team for a massive, massive price. They think they gave up their 2023, 2025, and 2027 first round picks all unprotected. And their 2029 pick is only protected top five. That's insane. That is insanity. If this doesn't work, they're going to be set back for years. The good news is that they have Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, who just was locked into a Supermax himself. But it's just such a unique fit that they're going for. Or Cat has always been a center over the course of these last couple of years. But he's a unique player, or he's a big only in theory, honestly, on the offensive end, because he does some perimeter playmaking. He's obviously one of the best perimeter shooters at the big man position ever. He's just very dynamic on the outside, while Rudy Gobert, obviously, is very dynamic on the inside. He's going to be a lob threat. He's going to be a rim protector, and they're going to be very creative in how they do some of that stuff. But it's just fascinating to think about the league right now. We're at a very, t- we're at a very interesting place with where the league is and how talented the entire league is. I looked at the top 10 teams in the league and outside of my top 10 were teams like Toronto, Dallas, who made the Western Conference Finals, New Orleans, who didn't have Zion Williamson the entire year and still pushed the Phoenix Suns to six games. Chicago, who I think got better this offseason. Actually, they may have got, they may have gotten better. Might have gotten worse, but pretty close. Atlanta, who traded for DeJounte Murray to pair with Trey Young. 
without giving up John Collins. They gave up Daniela Gallinari in picks. So the league right now, the top 15 teams or so are probably the most talented they've ever been in NBA history to the point where you could see, I think, five or six or seven teams that have a realistic chance to win the title next year. That's never happened before. I know that last year, I think people were saying eight or nine or ten. I don't think it was anything that drastic because there are always going to be teams that I think definitely were taken out of the mix pretty early from that regard. But the Nuggets are one of the teams this year, especially the top five or six or seven teams, where you could absolutely look at them and say, no questions asked, you could win a title. I think Phoenix is in that category. Boston is in that category. Oh, they got better. They got the Malcolm Brogdon trade. That was a wild one today. Where you trade Malcolm Brogdon if you're the Indiana Pacers, and all you get back, Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, and a first-round pick. That's insane. The Celtics, they got, they've got now Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, Derek White, and Peyton Pritchard in their backcourt alone. They have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Al Horford. Um, who am I forgetting? Well, they also get Danilo Gallinari in all likelihood with their MLE. That is going to be an excellent team. I have Phoenix as the top team, but only because I think that they're going to get Kevin Durant. But if you ask me who's the best team right now in the NBA, it's Boston, for sure. Got Milwaukee behind them. They got injured. Chris Middleton sustained an injury in the second round, and they still took Boston to seven games. Golden State's right behind them, but I could easily drop them down. Denver, I have them at five. Clippers, I have them at six, and they could easily be four or five themselves. And then I have Memphis at seven. Uh, but you could just as easily justify them being higher. So there are a lot of impressive teams right now. There's a lot of moving parts. Teams are going big. The Knicks signed Jalen Brunson to a $26 million deal per year. They've got other teams swinging for the fences right now. And the league could continue to change if Kyrie Irving goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. That's a scenario that I don't really want to think about. But here's the thing. They're all good. All of these teams are good. If you're the Nuggets, you have to know that. That this is just how it's got to go. So we will see. But for now, that'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, I will be back probably on Monday. I think that that's probably where we're we're going to go. We'll probably go into more depth if Denver does anything else. If they don't do anything else, we will talk about the Summer League team. Denver's having some practices over the course of these next few days. And I will report back on some of the impressive players for the Summer League team. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.